0: Hey, it's Elle and M, and you're listening to the Baby Project Podcast. In this podcast, we will discuss our journeys, as well as other warriors going through the ups and downs of infertility. Um, there's ups? Yes, there's ups.
1: Okay. As a reminder, be kind to yourself and skip as needed. We know some topics
0: may be triggering. Let's get talking. This is episode 19 no roadmap to destination baby. We have Sarah on our podcast today, who is one of the authors from Where's Helen. Sarah is a supervisor at a childcare center who loves to be around children. And this stands true as she is an aunt to nine nephews and one niece. Sarah likes to travel, loves nature, and often captures these beautiful moments through photos, as she has a passion for photography. Welcome, Sarah, to the Baby Project Podcast.
2: Thank you for having me here. So, Sarah, how about you? uh, We'll start from the beginning.
1: How about you tell us a little bit about your love story? How did you meet your partner? Yeah,
2: so um, he was actually my high school sweetheart. Uh, We met when um, I was... I know a lot of people laugh at this, but we met when I was 15 and he was 17. And a lot of our family and friends were like, oh, it just seems like it's infatuation. You know, you're going to go to university. You're going to meet a lot of other people. Don't settle in right now. Um, you know, don't get too excited. Don't get too settled. <laughs> um, but for us, no, it just seems like it was it was a perfect start to our long-term relationship um, to start discussing, you know, just our next phases is is starting our next, you know, post education together, um, what's going to happen in our future and our careers um, when we're going to hopefully plan for marriage and engagement um, and kind of go from there. So um, thankfully we were able to, you know, tackle all those, all those people that were telling us, you know, not to, not to move forward. Um, We just kind of stuck around and um, they did notice how, you know, it was, it was just, processing through and they did notice how uh, we just wanted to be together and they supported us with that. Um, so we've, uh, we've known each other for quite a while. Um, in 2011, we did get married. Um, and uh, so now we just celebrated in July our 10th anniversary.
0: Congratulations! Thank you.
2: So it's, uh, it's always been, you know, it's always been roller coasters for us just dealing with the infertility journey and stuff like that. But um our, for just getting started, it was, uh, it was always our goal to start a family at a young age. Um, we've always wanted to, um, you know, just, have those children at at a young age in order to grow older with them and to just move on in life like we did together to grow along our children. Mm -hmm. Um, And we actually decided to not have um, any contraceptives or anything like that when we did start. Um, So we there was never a point where we were like, okay, five years in, you know, we're going to give it a try now. Um, It was just something from day one where we did say this is not something that we're going to go on and we're just going to let it be. And hopefully things will take its course. Mm -hmm.
1: Did you guys can I ask you a question about your relationship? Did you guys, because you started so young, yeah. have like a lot of growing pains as you were going through, you know, high school. And like you said, post-secondary, that sort of thing. Um, Cause you hear a lot of times with those who meet kind of later on in life or having been through a couple of different relationships, they know what, you know, you know what you want, you know, um, you're more comfortable within your own self. Cause you've had that time to mature and grow. Uh, did you guys have a lot of like bumps along the way, within your relationship.
2: We did. Um, I think it was just starting off like the first couple of years, I think it was more of um, just honestly, like the financial aspect of it, just being able to support each other with our post-secondary education. Um, like he would uh, have to go to the US um, to finish up his master's. Um, I was still back home with our families. Um, so just being able to kind of master, you know, the long distance as well, like we did keep that for some time. Um, it, was, uh, it was a a little bit more challenging, I'd say just being able to adjust to our new lifestyle, um, along with still kind of growing in our own, in our own individual life. So i um, being able to finish school and being able to kind of plan for future and our jobs and stuff like that it was definitely a challenge um but honestly I feel that with the support of our family by that point and our very close friends um even even financial support and just being able to know that you know you do have that support there whether it was a big argument or something that we just didn't get along with um we had like just the immediate family kind of be like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's put a plan for you guys and kind of just put things in perspective. So we were able to kind of bounce right back and kind of get back onto square one. Mm -hmm. Um, So just to be more of the, I think more of the communication with family, that was a big, big help Um, and communication with us is what helped as well. But obviously at that age, we are still very young to know what was the best for us. So um, we were very open to any support that we were able to get and that helped us move forward and kind of put more plans in perspective. Um, but yeah, there were definitely a couple of challenges, I'd say for the first couple of years. And um, and there were times where we're like, okay, this is obviously a mistake, but it just, like I said, I don't know, the resiliency and just being able to bounce back and kind of plan things better, it kind of helped us just move forward. And thankfully we haven't went back to that uh, since then.
0: You were mentioning, you, you guys were discussing about your original family planning and what that looked like. Um, did you guys talk about how many kids you wanted or you just wanted like you had the plan that you wanted to start early so you can grow with your family?
2: Yeah. So we didn't specify how many children we wanted. We were always like, you know, whatever, and how many come along is perfect. Um, We, uh, we did say, like, I know, my husband was always like, I'd love for you to be a young mom, like how, like, how awesome would that be? And I'm like, yeah, like, I love that. Just, I saw how we grew along each other alongside each other. So just being able to um, have that as well, and just kind of, you know, just it's something we've always wanted. It's something we've wanted since before we got married is to have a family of our own, whether it was one or two children, or however many we were able to, um, we were open to it. So um, I think for us, it was just never something that we had thought that we would have trouble with, Mm -hmm. um, or face any challenges in that aspect there. So um, we were open to the idea for sure. And that's why we, you know, we said no contraceptives and kind of just let it be and we'll see what happens. But um, the idea for both starting off very young and and hopefully having children at a young age was was something we both admired so much. And just uh, that's what kind of kept us going forward.
1: Freaking infertility, man, just sneaking up out of nowhere, and slapping you in the face.
2: Exactly. It's, <laughs> right, Honestly, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was it was a definitely a big slap for us. It's just I, I had no idea that there was even like yeah, I was clueless. Both of us were very clueless.
1: Yeah, I think that's like the majority of uh, you know, infertility warriors that we talk to or anyone that I've encountered. It's not something that they ever anticipated. I mean, there's some there who have um ha- like health issues and things like that, yeah. and maybe anticipate a little bit of, of troubles, but then there's some where they're their family members, there's no other family history or anything else. They're healthy, they think everything is going okay. So you don't anticipate having any issues whatsoever. no. And all of a sudden it just kind of creeps up out of nowhere and takes over your life. Yes, for sure. It really does. So do you want to get into a little bit of the the juicy parts of your journey? Like sort of, you know, how has it been um, for you? What sort of your fertility journey and where you are now?
0: So pretty much where the slapping began. Yeah. <laughs>
2: All right. So um, one summer, so roughly a couple of months after we got married, we thought, okay, like, we haven't had any contraceptives or anything, but let's track the cycle and just give it a try to what we know. And um, I personally thought I honestly thought that 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 was it, I was going to be pregnant that summer. And <laughs> It's all we needed. Um and of course that didn't happen. And I think just going month after month um for another year or so we uh we we just kept trying the tracking and monitoring cycles and stuff like that. Um there was still no luck. So eventually we did go to um just my family doctor. Um she's been she's been around since I was born so um I I felt very comfortable to go in and just talk to her and let her know about what's going on. Um, She said that, you know, just uh, she pulled out this little diagram thing. And she's like, this is when you have to track your cycle. And this is when ovulation happens. And to me, too, like I yes, I read some things on Google, but I didn't understand. I did understand a lot of more things that she said to me um, besides what I actually read and you know, just read myself. So I was able to ask her a couple more questions to better understand how to track cycles and stuff like that. Um, she did also say that in the meantime, she will put a referral into um, like a local fertility specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were very excited for that. She did say it's going to probably take a couple of months or whenever for that, uh, that hospital to get back to you. Um finally, when we were contacted by him, um, he just brought us in, he did an assessment. And he was just like, let's talk about, you know, your, um, your caffeine intake. And let's talk about like, just intercourse. And like, how often do you do it every week and whatnot? And do you have any issues in the family? And what just a bunch of questions. And a lot of questions like, what does this have to do with anything? Like, who would have thought caffeine would truly have effect I found out years later that caffeine has an effect on egg quality and sperm quality and all that fun stuff but just so many things and at first this is your first conversation with a Mm -hmm. a specialist or with a doctor and you're just like okay like what does this have to do with anything what does this even mean Um, so that for us was just let's kind of get the ball rolling and and do what's needed on our end Um, he did end up saying in Ontario at that month, like shortly after um, he said that there's great news. Um, Now the government is funding IVF cycles. um, And this is something that, you know, you guys can totally get on board with um, because there isn't a big wait list. And we're like, IVF, what is that? Like, Oh, wow. You can literally inject the sperm and the egg together. That's amazing. Wow. This is it. This is what's going to happen. And you're going to get pregnant. That's awesome. So we went on board with that, um, we literally had uh, family and they're like, what, like, what are you, like, what is that? What are you doing? Is, like, my mom was like, are you sure this is not going to like mess you up? Like, what if you don't get periods again after that? Like, what, what is this? Mm. <laughs> like, no, it's like, it's a, it's a medicated cycle. And you know, they've done it many times before. And this, this specialist is really good. And he's done it plenty of times. And, um, you know, just being able to take that decision and kind of make that step uh, moving forward. Um, We did. And just honestly, holding on to faith as well. And it's just kind of saying like, if it's meant to be, it's going to be, this is just something, an opportunity that came up to me. It's a sign to me. It's something that, you know, it was a chance. It was a beautiful opportunity um, where it was mostly funded. You only had to pay the medication part um, and you were able to actually, you know, get started on this. And it was our first, cycle. So it was our first time to give anything like that a try. Um, so we did move forward with it. Um, unfortunately, it ended off with a chemical pregnancy. Um, which I had no idea that term even existed until that happened. So I was able to find out more information then of course, when that kicked in. Um, So after that, we did take some time off. We took some time to to do IUI cycles. Um, So instead of going back in to do an IVF again, we did IUI and we did four of those cycles and they were all negative as well. Um, So there was no success for either of those. at that point, we spoke again to the to the specialist and he said, you know what, it, people can do four to six cycles. If you guys want to go ahead and do another two more IUIs, you're more than welcome to give that a try before you result to IVF again. Um, but at that point, we're like, we did four, might as well save those couple thousand dollars for the other two and put them towards an IVF cycle. Because um, that's that's kind of what we were thinking needs just, just more of that to, that precise there, the the procedure, um, rather than an IUI cycle. So um, shortly after we did a another IVF cycle, and um, it was actually um, overseas. Um, So we decided to give it a try um, and and do something different. The procedure was really different. Um, It was just a lot less complicated than it is in Canada, for sure. Um, Like the blood work, the monitoring, everything was just very, very easy. And I felt like it was a very smooth cycle. I felt like there was no pain involved as much as I had the first time. Um, I loved how quick and smooth everything was. And obviously that's when uh, the pandemic hit so there was a lot of complications there and then complications returning back home. Um, And in returning back home I had waited for that result um, and did a home pregnancy test and tried to see the success there, Um, but unfortunately there was no success there either. so a couple months after just being able, you know, quarantining at home and stuck in the pandemic situation at home and no work and stuff like that, um, I was finally able to um book another IVF session, um, a, a IVF cycle, sorry, um, at the Markham Fertility Clinic, which is the last one that I have done. And that's when I met the awesome uh, group of girls there um, from Where's Helen? And um that cycle for the first time I found out about uh pregenetic testing. So PGT, um, I had no idea that that existed either. So just because they had an info session at that clinic, um, I was able to understand options from there. So just being able to truly understand that you are able to test an embryo and you are able to see if that embryo is normal or abnormal before inserting that embryo back. It, it was mindful. I, I don't know. I just I had no idea that something like that existed. So I definitely signed up for that. It was recommended that we do that. And that way we're able to see if, you know, an embryo is, is, even normal before um, having that uh, transferred. Um, so we did that, that cycle for our last one for our IVF there. And um, the one embryo that we had um, did end up being abnormal. Um, so we did not go ahead with a transfer. And that's pretty much what happened um, for that journey. Just a quick sum up. And right now we're hopefully preparing, it's been almost a year, but we're preparing for our fourth IVF cycle, which is gonna be uh, hopefully in a few weeks. So it's uh it's been a roller coaster of emotions as well just trying to prepare for that and going through that again and i'm truly hoping you know there's going to be better better just results in in all aspects but at the same time there's no answer for all and i know there's going to be a lot more things and even um when i was speaking to um one of the doctors at this clinic to get started um i know she was saying like just looking at your charts you know we're going to give this a try for your fourth cycle but if that doesn't work too well we'll put this one instead for your fifth cycle. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, like, we're just trying out new things and maybe a fifth cycle and maybe trying a new one for the fifth cycle. And it's just, you know, just a roller coaster. And that's what it is. I feel like this whole journey is just you not knowing what's what the next step to take, what's the best course of action to take. And um, just really, really being patient to take it one step at a time. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You've got me at a loss for words. Yeah.
0: Holy, holy,
1: holy. (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't even know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. Jump. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have a question. Of course, I have lots of questions. Your clinic, you guys kind of, you did, you sort of went a little bit backwards, I guess you could say, because typically with clinics, they'll start off with um, timed intercourse, with medication, cycle monitoring. IUIs, then move into IVF. Mm-hmm. How, do you know why the reason why you guys kind of did it the opposite
2: way? Honestly, I'm, um, I i did not even know that there was like, I feel like we just, briefly brushed on the topic of IUI at that time when we first started. Um, But when I heard, like when we were talking about IVF with that, with that specialist there, and he was basically saying how the procedure is done and how many more of like the percentage of success you get. And literally you're putting an embryo and the sperm together and it's, it's what could go wrong kind of thing. And then um, for us, that was like, Okay, that sounds so much better than what the chances are with IUI. Um, the other thing was just how they were able to kind of the way that they presented it to us at that initial meeting with them um, was, you know, there's the a government funded cycle, and you guys, it's your first time. So get on the train, basically, there's no waitlist right now, um, take that chance to actually make use of it um, while you can. Um, and he I remember him saying, like, hopefully, this is your one and only chance, like, hopefully, you don't have to do anything after that. So um, for us, it was like, Okay, there's a better chance there, there's um, a higher s- success of pregnancy rates. And um, it's it's somewhat funded there. So all we had to cover was a couple thousand dollars for medication. Um, the rest of it was was funded for the government. So that's why we just honestly, we felt like we were convinced to kind of just Hop on that train there and 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 go over and we were hopeful, so hopeful that that would be that would be what all we needed, just that one cycle. That's usually the case, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> right? We always think just this one treatment or just this one thing, yeah, um, and that'll be it. Like we always have that sort of expectation. And I think too, we've said in other episodes that like in the initial consultation. They need to take more time to explain the different outcomes or that, you know, just to kind of lay it out there, because, you know, we're in, when you're there for your consultation, you're in a different sort of state of mind, you're, Mm -hmm. you're not processing everything and they need to say a little bit more clearly. Like this is a chance. This is not a guarantee. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think sometimes the way that the options and treatments are presented, they like put IVF up on this really big pedestal. And you're like, oh, I need need to do that because that's, what's going
2: to get me my baby. Exactly. That's the one, that's the one and only. So, Yeah. yeah. And that's why, you know, after that, when, when that didn't go through just with the way, you know, just with, um, just trying to save money. And um, just with our situation at that time, um, we were in the process of um, building our home and just a couple of things within those few years So we didn't think that going to try IVF again was ideal at that time. And that's why Mm -hmm. um, the doctor did recommend to just try IUI and give that a chance. So, um, they, he did say, you know, the recommended is like four to six cycles. So we did four and then we're like, okay, what do you think is our next step? The next best step to take? And he said, you know what, if you want to do two more, I don't see a problem with it. If you decide not to, then that's up to you guys. So at that point, we're just like, yeah, let's just keep it at four. So, and this was a different clinic, right? Different clinic. Yeah. So, um, it's, it was actually, a the way that they had it, I guess, was it was part because it was a local hospital here um, in town. And the way that they had it was they had like a, a sub building kind of thing that they were part of um, that was mainly for IUIs and, um, and timed into and stuff like that. So um, he, he was still my doctor for that time. He was still the same, uh, the same fertility specialist that we were seeing for, for that whole duration up until um, my last two IVFs.
0: And at any point was he were you was he like okay giving you answers as to why it wasn't successful like I mean after the first IVF and then the IUI IUI you were probably like okay doc like what's going on yeah Did you say so, anything?
2: um what it is was mainly that uh which we were told when we were initially doing like the tests and things so um the, the first uh meeting we had with him um based on our our first results our initial results um he had said that uh, they noticed that my husband's uh, sperm motility was low um and that uh, with that he's like IVF shouldn't be a problem like mm there's no, uh, there's no need there. So it's, it's literally going directed in there with ICSI. So we did ICSI with all of our um, IVF cycles. So basically that for me was like, okay, yes, motility is low. But then when you're doing IVF, I've been told that's not an issue at all. So everyone kind of made it seem like you're going to be fine. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a concern at that point when you're doing IVF. Um Initially with me, I think it was our also like a first sono, just the first initial test too. Um, I was told that my right tube was blocked. Um, but that also is not a problem because you just need one tube to get pregnant. Um, but then uh, when we did um, the IUIs, so after the first IVF, when we did IUI again and they did tests and stuff like that, they um, they did say that uh, both of my tubes are opened so. I don't know what changed there. They asked if I did anything. And I'm like, Nope, nothing changed. um, That was the only thing. So besides that, I've we've always been told, you know, just a bad cycle, or it's just didn't go through that well. Or um, just even when he explained like the chemical pregnancy, and he's like, you know, that usually means like your body was just trying to get rid of like a foreign object. And just, you know, it happens sometimes. And so it was all like, okay, there, there was no like concrete answers. There was nothing more of like what more we could aim for, what more we could do. Um, it was more of just, you know, we, we know it's a male factor. That's mainly what it is, but IVF shouldn't be a problem with that. So
1: it almost seems counterintuitive as well. If they're telling you that IVF is the way to go because they can do ICSI, so yeah. Can put they can select the sperm that they want the you know best looking ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put that into the egg and you know wait for the magic to happen. Yeah. Then why on earth? Like I'm just thinking like why would they then go back and say yeah you can do like IUIs? It's just a waste of your time, your energy, your money, your emotions. It's just, like so. Heartbreaking, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're continuing to try, but they kind of presented it as the IVF is the the way, the gold standard, the way to go, and then you're it's like you're you're going backward.
2: Exactly, and that's what that's what for us it was like it, it was honestly a big blow. Like we just didn't expect that. We didn't expect that you know something would would just be so so difficult and so challenging because we see it just seemed like it was not that hard it seemed like it was so much easier than we ever anticipated and um just uh, just honestly yeah kind of like just asking questions and just not really getting any concrete answers because nobody knows and honestly unless there's a situation or there's a medical condition or something where they can actually say it's due to this um, I feel like a lot of the times the doctors are like you know it just happens and there's a foreign object in your body so your body rejected it and maybe next time try this and do the timed intercourse it shouldn't be a problem and just kind of more of of I feel like just giving hope, but which is good at times, but I feel like it was in the wrong way at a lot of times.
1: Uh Absolutely. I want to dive into the IVF experience Uh um, with your original clinic and then abroad. Like, I think that is... Um, Cause you said that there was a, definitely a difference between the two in your experiences. So can you go into a little bit of detail about like how it was for you, the medications, the retrieval and, and, and in comparison?
2: Yeah. So um, he, the doctor abroad, um, he was, I was in contact with him. Um, I got his contact information from a, um, a parent actually at, at the childcare center. Um, and she spoke highly of him because of uh, a friend of hers that had amazing success with him. Um, after many years of of infertility as well so she's like just give him a chance and contact him like what are you going to lose so I did contact him when I was still in Canada Um, he basically was like yeah you can come on down and it was I think it was February still um, February March March is when I did go down. So I think it's still February. And I was like, okay, like, you know, just trying to get the information. And he's like, I actually studied in Ottawa. um, So I'm very familiar with how, you know, the situation is in Canada. Um, But he's like, it's just, not as complicated as it is in Canada for here he's like we are able to kind of get you in um we're able to start the blood work you don't have to do as much monitoring so you don't have to do the um like the daily blood work the daily ultrasound stuff like that it's not it wasn't as frequent as I would have done it here in Canada um he um he did say you know as long as you feel like you're ready you're more than welcome to come on in and I was like okay do you think maybe a couple of months like how much time do you need and he. He's like when's your next period and I'm like um I think it's in like three weeks or four weeks he's like you can come now I like, <laughs> okay <laughs> so when I told my husband that he's like go just pick up and go I'm like no but I can't like there's work and there's so many things going on and like finances and everything and he's like just go just pick up and go and like mm-hmm. make use of this this opportunity and I'm like okay great so I booked a flight and I, um, I told him I'm on my way. I literally got there um, two days before my expected period. Um, And he, which was perfect because he brought me in. He um, just, we had like just a brief conversation about what happened, what my history is, um, what had, what had been said to me before um, about the male factor and, and just kind of. You know how the unsuccessful treatments um, passed there for IUI and IVF. Um, he did say that um, I would have to fill out a couple of paperwork. That they were going to do blood work. They were going to do an initial um, SONO just to make sure like everything's good from their end. Um, he saw everything. He's like, everything looks perfect. Your blood work looks great. Your um, everything else looks great, and we're going to start you on on. the the medication, I guess. So, um, right when I got my period, um, that's when we started the procedure there. And, um, I guess it was just mainly, it wasn't as demanding. It wasn't as, um, it wasn't as overwhelming, I guess, with the amount of things like he was able to just take me in. He was able to kind of just give me a rundown. Um, I was stressing out getting an Airbnb so I can get a fridge for the medication, like for the, for stims. Um, and I, I literally I was like, I need a fridge. I know I need a fridge. I need to put like the man here. I need to put stuff like that, that are that need a fridge. And when I got there, and he's like, Okay, this is your like, this is the needle. This is what you're gonna do. And I'm like, Okay, what needs a fridge? And he's like, nothing. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I, I made sure I had a fridge where I'm saying a good night. <laughs> and he's like, "There, you don't need to put a fridge. He's like, I mean, if you want to, maybe later, you can put this in there, but it can stay out. I'm like, okay, that's perfect. So just things like that. Um, I my first IVF as well, I had severe pain, I don't know what it was. But I just like, it hurt to do anything. It hurt to laugh. It hurt to sit in a car just oh my gosh going on a pothole in the car was the worst Mm. it hurt to climb stairs it just really really hurt to do anything um and when I had called into the nurse um with my first cycle she had said honey your ovaries are the size of footballs, so it's very common I'm like okay that's fine so just things like that I was expecting when I was um when I was overseas and literally I had none of that I had no pain I don't know what it was I just I was already at egg retrieval and I'm like, okay where is that pain I was expecting, I was expecting to be like couch bound and like have a family friend come take me to the clinic and like, just not being able to drive not being able to do anything. And I felt none of that. So I don't know what it was. But I just overall had such a better experience with um, the pain that I felt from my first IVF cycle. Um, Just the frequent monitoring, they didn't have to do as much of that. Um, It was just more of an on follow basis, um, where he would call you and give you an update and then kind of go based on that. The other thing that was different, um, which I know a lot of um, clinics don't do that locally here, um, was we had, um, because I was going to fly back and just a lot of trouble with the pandemic hitting and everything closing there. Um, we had two, um, I believe he said it was grade A embryos. Um, and he suggested that the best course of action was to um, transfer both of them. Um, he said, usually that's not recommended. And I know usually in Canada, they only do just the one that's preference. Um, but he's like, I really think that this may be a better chance for you. And I really think that, you know, with just the quality of these, this is a good way to kind of start. Um, so I was, we were both open for that, my husband and I were like, sure, whatever you suggest, do what you think is best. So um, we did transfer those, um, those both embryos. um, And unfortunately, but by the time I got home and everything, that's when we realized that um, it's still negative. So we didn't have an update there for any blood test or anything like that, since I had to travel. Um, But uh, they didn't, they didn't stick through and that's okay. But I thought that was interesting, too. And I thought, you know, just little things like that, that are pretty different and um, wasn't the norms from what I'm used to here.
1: Yeah. Those are huge differences. And I think like comfort level is so important Yeah, (laughs) because, you know, if you're overstimulating or like responding really well to the meds, yeah, you're right. Like your ovaries are huge and they feel like they are inside of you and you're so uncomfortable and Mm Yeah, I remember car rides and just even just trying to walk, like standing straight up and normal, just trying to move around and live your life is uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, it really was. And that's what I was just anticipating for that. And I was like, okay, it's gonna kick in now I'm gonna feel it, I'm not gonna be able to do anything. And thankfully, I didn't feel any of that for, for the second cycle there. So I was, I was, I was very happy to see that. And I was very excited to kind of I was like, ooh, I can do this again. I can gladly come back and just go through this. I don't mind.
1: Uh-huh. So, did you go over there on your own?
2: I did. Yes. Um, so uh, it was. Uh, it was pretty interesting, because um, I went there while just my husband had work. So he couldn't leave um, for that long period of time when he didn't need to. Um, but when I was uh, ready to do egg retrieval, that's when the doctor said, Okay, like, we we knew my husband's going to be standby until he needs to come down for um, for the sperm. Uh, and And it was I'd say maybe two weeks in, two or three weeks in after I went. No, yeah, two weeks in after I went is when my husband um, came down on his own. Um, The one funny, challenging situation we had there was um, he booked a flight, I guess, for just two days there, and then he was returning, Um, maybe a weekend actually, I think it was like two or three days, but um, the pandemic, obviously everything kind of hit right then. Um, And that's when um, they decided that uh, they suspended all flights that are coming in and leaving the country. So my husband was able to come in, but then he wouldn't have been able to leave. And he would have like both of us would have had to stay there till whenever they decided to open up the airports again. Um, So that was okay for me. We made that decision that I'm okay to stay so I can do the egg retrieval and um, and, you know, do the do the monitoring and hopefully just be able to do two week wait or whatever it is while I was there until we were able to figure out how I can leave again. Um, But for my husband, it was more of, okay, you're going to come in and then you're going to actually try to leave before they close the airports the following day. Um, So we changed his flight and he was there for just only a couple of hours in the country. He (laughs) literally came in, he did his... uh Oh, Did his sample and then he left. So um we, we took him right to the airport. So yeah, it was uh with jet lag and everything like that. He was literally there for only a couple of hours and he was he was right back out again. So
1: oh my gosh. Yeah, I feel like that's very stressful. <laughs>
2: Oh, well. It was, it was really hard. And even like, from my end too. like, at that point, we're like, okay, this is before like egg retrieval, like, do I leave? Do I stay? Should he come? Like, w- like, we've gotten this far? What, what do we do? Like, what's the best course of action? And then if airports close, we don't know when they're going to open again, we don't know how long I'll be stuck here for. So um, it was just, uh, it was a lot of back and forth. But we made the decision that, you know what, like, we made it, I'm, I'm almost there, I'm going to stick around, even if you know, I get stuck for a couple of weeks or whatever it is until I'm able to get out. Um, But for my husband, yeah, he, uh, we advanced his flight to the one day. So he was there just for a couple of hours. He did what he had to do. And he was out for for the next morning. So
0: true love. Yeah, (laughs) I will fly all the way there, just for a few hours to give you what you need. And I'll fly right back.
2: (laughs) and even the it. doctor was like if you want, you know, like we can freeze like some of his sperm and that way if this ever happens again and you need to come back, he doesn't need to come. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds pretty <laughs> just in case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: in these uncertain times. Yeah, let's do that. Oh my gosh, that is that sounds for me that sounds very stressful. I would have been like just up here woof with the stress. How did all of the this like, you know, going from one clinic to another doing it abroad going through IVF and all the other cycles how has that affected your relationship with your husband
2: um honestly like we've had we've had the definite like there were times of the financial strain for sure um there were times of you know just just making sure that we're both on the same page um but with him I feel like and I always tell him this, I'm like, I feel like I like I'm kind of like your mother and I'm kind of telling you, like, you have to do this and you have to write this and you have to sign these papers and this is what you have to do, like, to get this process going and to do these procedures and to do these cycles and and just everything like that like he um I feel like he chose not to be very invested because um, he's like, I don't really understand how to um, like, you're talking to them. You're the one, like, you just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. Um, so a lot of times I would have loved for him to be a little bit more involved. Um, and although he tries, he's just like, I, like just tell me what you need and tell me what you want me to do. And I'll do it. Like I'll sign whatever papers you need. I'll come with you and just more of that. But um, I feel like it's, it's more of just um. Maybe a little bit of a wall that he built as well. Like he's like, I I don't want to take these decisions. I don't want to be that person to kind of, you know. So you know best, and you kind of make those decisions. Whatever you feel comfortable with, let's do it. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. So um, he's very supportive. He's always been so supportive, and I admire that so much. And um, I think it was definitely a. Um, a big help having that support, because without that support, I don't know who else I would have found that support from. Um, I feel like he was my definite my rock. And every time I needed and every time I was upset about anything, he was still able to put aside his emotions from a failed cycle or whatever it is, and kind of be that rock for me, Mm -hmm. Um, which, which was so, so helpful. Um, But yeah, I think more from his aspect, like too, I definitely felt like, he built that wall and he just didn't want to be as involved. He didn't ask those questions. He didn't understand, he didn't want to understand what options was at hand. And that was more of the things that I took on, um, which I felt at the end, like it was kind of responsibility on my end, um, that there was a lot of more, um, you know, is was, was, up to me to make that decision or it was my fault or whatever it was that, you know, I felt like, like for PGT, for example, to do the pre pre genetic testing, um, I thought it was a great idea. But he was like, like, why did we have to do that? And he read somewhere that when you're over, like, if you're over 30 or 35, then it's recommended. But he's like, why did we have to do that? Like, what if that was a good embryo? What if that that was? So I was like, okay, but you both like, we both made that decision. And I talked to you about it. And you said, sure, go ahead. So now that we're finding out more information about it, you may have Changed your mind, but uh-huh. it was a decision that we did both make. So just certain things like that, where um, you know, I I think that it's a good step that I make or take, and he's like, yeah, do what you need to do. But then in the end we talk about it and we're like, okay, maybe we shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, okay, crap, that was my decision. So just things like that, where um, I felt like there was a little bit of a strain. But besides that, um, we definitely worked through it, um, because it's something we both really, really want. We worked around the financial aspect of it. Um, We have support from our family, for sure. Um, And just being able to really, really communicate and talk and just be there for each other. So um, as much as he knows that I'm hurting, he would set those you know, any emotions he had aside and be there for me and same as me. Um, when I know that he was hurting, I would set aside any emotions, any tears, like I'd go in the room, I'd let it all out, come back out and just be like, it's okay. Like, you know, we're gonna work on this together, there's going to be better times and kind of just put it on that way. And just so we're able to be stronger for each other.
0: Girl. Wow. <laughs> Sarah, you've definitely had had spoken about the resilience that you guys have had, even when you were younger and growing up, like, you know, going to school and like high school and then the challenges of like family. Yeah. It's just like a infatuation. You passing that and then now pushing through this. So I can definitely see like you guys have this resilience. You have this strong bond. You have this strong, like this very, very stable, steady, um, you know, foundation, and it's great to hear, and it's so great to hear that you had him as your support. Did you have, and you also mentioned your family too, but did you have any other support besides like your husband and your family? Like,
2: um, not so much because we had we definitely pushed away from um, even like our extended family. So even just uh, talking to um, you know cousins or anything like that, or aunts and uncles, um, it, it was always just something that wasn't discussed. Um, I feel like also just um, culturally too, I feel like it's more of a taboo subject. Um, I feel that it's just not something you go around talking about. Um, so we definitely just kept it just between him and I and then um, like my parents, his family, um, his dad, maybe siblings sometimes. Um, and he actually, um, like he, he's very open to it too. But we just chose not to disclose that information just to anyone that we're not too close with, or somebody that maybe didn't ask. So it's just not something we said often. Um, We also like just kept it very, very distant around family and I'm sorry, around friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, uh, you know, with friends too, I feel like not a lot of people usually asked either. Um, It's only a lot of um, a lot of friends of like my husband's friends would ask him when they would be talking and stuff. So um, like, how many kids do you have and things like that. But um, with us, it's with me personally, it's a lot of do you have any kids or how many kids do you have, but nothing beyond that. It's not something I would start to talk about. And it's not something people would ask, like, why what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like if it was to be mentioned, I feel like we would have elaborated more, but just beyond that we didn't really discuss that so um not so much with friends I'd say it's mainly just like our siblings our parents and um that's pretty much it yeah each other yeah and each other so not even you know not even extended family no cousins nothing like that we're we're aware of any of that so um it, it was different for sure. It was, uh, I remember when, um, cause I had some family when I went overseas for the IVF cycle and, um, my aunt was like, so, okay, you're here for this now. And like that, that's good that you made this choice to come, but like every time I would come visit you and every time we'd come to Canada and, and just kind of see how you're doing and everything, you're just so submerged in, in work and you're so you're so involved with everything else, but you truly, truly should have set this as a priority. And I'm like, I I did set it as a priority, but you see it from a different angle and you see things differently. And the fact that I'm here now, it doesn't mean that I didn't set it as a priority before. It just means I'm trying something new. So they didn't even know that I did do it before in Canada. They didn't know that I did other cycles, either IUIs. But she's like, oh, now she's giving it a try to actually do like see a specialist. And I'm like, no, it's not just that. So I think for them too, like just knowing that, you know, we've just been very busy and we've been very involved with everything else going on. Mm -hmm. Um, They think that, you know, it just wasn't something that we wanted or something that we didn't try for. Um, So just little things like that, where we did explain, I feel like that's as far as it's gotten, Um, which is why when I met these wonderful girls and we created the group and we had that, you know, that support group, it was an eye opener for me. It was most amazing, new experience I've ever had, I felt like just being able to talk to other people that get it, um, just being able to personally discuss matters, um, to personally discuss our own experiences, and just be there for each other is, is so amazing. Um, so I'll I'll be forever grateful that I was part of that. Um, because it's, uh, I feel like it, it opened up a lot of new doors for me, which is always nice.
0: Yeah, even when I was listening to you, and you were explaining, like, it was a lot, I felt like it was a lot on your shoulders. Like you're going through this, you're learning it. And then you're making the decisions, these tough decisions um, with no support, like, well, like with like, you know, your yeah. husband's supporting your family support, but like, like no one really guiding you or coaching it or anything. You're just kind of like, okay, I'm going to go with the flow, whatever the doctors say, and then to actually meet um, or, you know, to have the group talk it out and like oh did you try this or even talking about your emotions that you definitely need to let out it's man I just feel like that would have probably brought me that would probably helped me too for sure I don't know how I would have done it without L so I can't imagine how (laughs) how anyone could do this without a support like that
2: yeah no it's it Definitely, definitely does help in so many ways, Um, ways that I never thought I'd ever encounter, honestly. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I love it. And I feel like, like I said, just even writing this chapter and um, just being able to talk about my journey and just being able to talk about my life and feel like it's always been, you know, when when I talk to people, I'm like, just a history about myself or like kind of what I did what I've accomplished and I've always like been like oh wow like you you're just you're outstanding girl like you're amazing Mm -hmm. you write about this and whatnot but it's always like no why I don't need to it's fine I don't need to talk about it um but just there's that aspect and then there's the whole other aspect of this un, you know unexpected fertility journey that you're on so um it's just trying to make life, honestly, just juggling everything all at once and just juggling your priorities and and what you have to do and setting your mindset to still follow through on what you do love and what you do want, but also being able to feel the emotions and acknowledge what's going on around you to be able to adjust both of them together. Mm-hmm. Um that's truly been uh, a little struggle for me too, um, especially with uh, with me personally just being um, overweight. Um, I've always had that struggle between for as long as I remember, I don't know, probably since elementary school, I've always been um, kind of trying to take that balance like, okay, we're going to set that goal to, you know do personal training and do workouts and do whatever but then I'm told when you're trying to conceive and then you're in that two-week wait you shouldn't be lifting heavy things or you shouldn't be um doing certain stuff and like just I'm like okay then maybe I shouldn't like go to the gym this these two weeks and then there you go you fall off the wagon and then just so many times like that where I'm just like okay, like I want to I want to fix a certain thing, I want to set a year or two years to focus on weight loss and focus on that. But at the same time, that's a year or two years of not trying fertility treatments or not going through that. And that's a lot of time to push away. But then I'm told you're still so young, but my heart saying otherwise, like, what is my priority? And what is it that I want to do and trying to find that balance to juggle both of them, Mm -hmm. to being able to do everything that that's on your list to being able to do everything that you need to do for yourself. Um, with, of course, getting getting thrown with a lot of other things across the way with the work and life and everything like that. So um, it's truly been a juggle. And it's a lot of times where I talk to myself about it, like you can do this or just focus on this for this week. And then next month you'll do that and kind of just things like that. So, yeah, I feel like that's kind of where we are right now. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it is.
1: And even just going back to the, um, like, being, I guess, more public versus private about your story, like coming from someone who I've kept my story very close to my heart and very private for all of these years. And even like with Em and I being friends for so many years, I didn't tell her anything about my journey for many years. And um, there's something freeing in, in writing it down or in talking about it. Um, there is definitely something in, of course, within parameters that you're comfortable with within your journey or where you're at, because I think to either if you've been in it for quite a while, or you're coming out the other side of it, you have a little bit more perspective and you're, you feel a little bit more, I guess, at ease to mm-hmm. um, talk about your situation or your experiences. But there's definitely something freeing about sharing those experiences with someone who one has like experiences as well right so there's mm-hmm. just that a little bit of you know common ground where you kind of you feel more safe I guess almost right discussing mm-hmm. those kind of things with someone who knows um kind of what you've been through or you know has an idea at least because they're in that world with you mm-hmm. um and just the just being free about telling telling your story which is definitely scary
0: it can be liberating yeah Mm-hmm. yeah
1: is there something Sarah, that you would really like to say to someone who is going through a similar situation
2: um honestly, there is no specific way to cope with infertility um you know it's uh- for me personally, I, I, I feel like this is kind of how I saw it and how I still see it. Um, it's like, you're hopping in a car and the destination is you're ready to go for, um, the destination is a successful pregnancy and you're, you're on your way and you're on route. Um, but then there's so many unexpected detours and here you are with no service. Um, no signal. Just trying to find a way to make it work to get to that destination. Um, truly trying to find um, the best options for you. Um, trying to talk to people along the way, but then you're not quite sure if that person is going to help you or if that person looks a little creepy and you don't want to <laughs> talk. Just trying to make things do with where you are, and and honestly asking that right right person or the right people to to what what will help you get there? And, and what is what are what are the notes that can, you know, that can really push you towards that destination. Um, So in my situation, that's kind of what it was, it started off with like, this is what we want. All right, let's do it. But then there's so many unexpected detours. And a lot of times, um, like you said, um, um, we're literally just going based on what the doctors say. And this is what we recommend. Okay, let's do it that sounds great. Fine, let's do it. And I was not doing any research. Both of us weren't. We were just going based with what we were told. Um, So basically, you know, just honestly, take the time to really, really follow your heart, truly follow your heart, um, do what really makes you feel comfortable, understand your options, um, and do what works best for you and your your partner or your family. Um, Take the time to hug, laugh, and really cherish the positive moments um, because you're building lasting memories around them. So it's it's not a fun journey to be on, it really isn't, especially when you get lost on that route there, but trying to make the most out of it, looking at the different beautiful scenic uh, views around you, um, taking pictures, logging those memories, um, being positive and supporting each other while you're at it is, is the best way I think is gonna help you move forward. Um, Acknowledge your emotions. Uh, give yourself time to feel them, and just always, always, always remember to be kind and compassionate to yourself and to the people around you. Stay away from those damn hitchhikers. Yeah. <laughs> don't pick up any
1: strangers along the way.
2: <laughs> that is that's so... how I see it. I'm like, just, I don't know why. Why would I ask this person? Or this person has <laughs> nothing to do with me or my situation. So, but. No, I think just, you know, finding, finding out, you know, certain resources, finding out certain things that that may be of, of any help to you in your situation um, is definitely good, because I've I've been told and I've noticed a lot of doctors won't tell you, like, I recommend you maybe trying out these new supplements or um, just anything like that, or maybe working on your lifestyle in this way, or, you know, like I said, being asked from day one, how's your caffeine intake and finding out years later, the importance of caffeine and 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 how it affects your sperm and egg quality. Mm -hmm. Um, So things like that, you know, do your research and and truly understand your options. Um, Don't just go with the flow and kind of just go based on what somebody recommends, because in the end, it's all about you, you're the one going through this journey. um, And you're the one that's going to be feeling all those emotions and being able to balance them is really important.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that is super, super important takeaway for sure. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been our absolute pleasure to hear your your story and you know, you're so brave and courageous for sharing and you know, putting on the armor every day and keep trudging forward. It's been a really long journey for you. And we wish you the best of luck in your upcoming cycle. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Mm -hmm. And um, we can't wait to be updated. And we hope that you keep in touch with us and update on how things are going with you. And, um, you know, we're going to cross our fingers and our toes and anything else that we can (laughs) cross for you that this is your, this is your last journey through the IVF uh, world Mm -hmm. and the infertility world. And, um, just thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank
2: Thank you so much for having me. And I, I think what you, what you guys are doing here is amazing. So I really appreciate, um, everything that you're putting towards this too. And, um, I'm truly hoping for the best and I'll definitely keep in touch. (laughs) Awesome. And thank you everyone for listening to our podcast episode today.
1: Remember in any project, including the baby project, you must take things one step at a
0: time. got a question for us or perhaps you would like to share your story and be a guest on our podcast feel free to connect with us by emailing us at thebabyproject underscore at outlook.com or dm us on instagram at thebabyproject underscore thanks for listening